Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Hi there, I'm Kelly Shoup, and I am super excited you are here. On our live show today, we are going to talk about safety, safe kids, and this is the first of a two-part series on safe kids. And before we get into that, I would like to briefly tell you about my brand new membership for parents who need help with struggles, the challenges, the meltdowns, the tantrums, all of it. So I am opening the doors to my new membership on June 9th. So that's a week from today, but you can sign up now. We start June 9th. Here is the link to sign up. And basically I am providing a wealth of resources for Catholic parents, all the things you need for success in parenting. We're going to talk about prayers, protective prayers. I'm going to give you, you know, a power struggle worksheet, the tips and tricks to use when you are in the moment in a struggle with your child. Numerous things. We're going to have weekly coaching calls. We're going to have community there in a private Facebook group where you can find other moms who are struggling with the exact same things you are. And we don't need to be recreating all of this ourselves. We can use the wealth of knowledge that comes from each other. And I'm happy to share in the membership my 20 years of knowledge and experience working with families and schools and kids and parents, all of it. So that is um, the biggest thing that you will have access to is just my brain and what I have seen over the years and my knowledge, knowing and understanding child development, what a child's body is communicating, what their sensory system, all the different things. So I encourage you to sign up. This is the best thing on the internet for Catholic parents to make a change in a really healthy, positive way that is going to impact your family for the good and for your growth. So sign up. Okay, podcast, Safe Kids. In regard to the horrific shooting that happened last week in Uvalde, Texas, there has just been so much noise and so much... um, tension I'm getting from the parents that I interact with every week and helping them with their kids and their family. And so I am all about being relevant, being helpful. Let's, you know, face head on what are the issues surrounding this. And I want y'all to know that as an occupational therapist, I work in schools. I will often see kids in a school to provide, you know, occupational therapy to them. 
So I am vetted by schools in Dallas at the background check. I do trainings and certifications at schools for whatever their curriculum needs. So I have had training in active shooter lockdown. And the whole time in the training, I've had a pit in my stomach, The um, just the preparation and the, the things that these teachers are thinking about to, to keep your kids safe. It's, um, it's just so um, unjarring to me. It's disturbing to me that this is where we are that these things have to be done to protect our kids. So I understand kind of both sides of it. I am a parent, I help parents, and I'm also in schools working and understand from their perspective how, you know, what that takes to provide a safe environment for your kids. So again, any knowledge that I have, any help I can give you, any questions you want to send me right now in the comments. Um, I'm happy to share if it gives you more comfort or insight or understanding about how I can help you with your kids. So today I want to talk about three different things in regard to a safe place for each of your kids. And so I want to say it's a safe space. It can be your home, but not, it doesn't necessarily have to be your home. And so um, it's actually your car. After school gets out and your child gets in your car, that is a safe space for them to connect with you. And I talk constantly about how important connection is. And once again, it is the most important thing with your child. It is the core of a healthy relationship, a healthy interaction, a healthy dynamic with your child. You need a connection with each of your children. And connection is different, very different than control and trying to have power over your kids to influence by control and coercion and punitive punishments. And it feels incredibly different to your child when you are trying to control them versus connect with them. And without a connection to their parent, kids do not feel safe. And I coach parents all the time in how important this is to do in the young ages when your kids are three to eight. And I have parents tell me, well, I just, this young age is difficult for me. So when my kids are older, like 10 or 11 or teenager, then I'll connect with them. But that's not how it works. That isn't how God rightly ordered a child's development. And so we need to be going with the flow of what God designed because it's going to be easiest for us. So during the ages of three to eight, kids are wired to connect with their parents. They are seeking you out. They love you. They adore you. They want time with you. Connect with them now. 
because when they're teenagers, they don't want to connect with you. And so you may be trying to connect with them, but that isn't the time to do it. It's not developmentally when you should do it. And so do it when it's easiest, when they're young. And that trust that is built from the connection that you make when they are young is huge and it carries over. And so parents who want to wait until a child's 12 or 13 to connect, they are trying to repair something that should have been done years ago. And it is so much harder and they don't often get the results that they want because they thought, oh, this connection, I'll just connect later. It doesn't work like that. And I understand and I can absolutely help you connect with your child at these young ages. Because when a child doesn't feel connected to their parent, they do not feel safe. And when they don't feel safe, they will try to do something to make themselves feel better. Maybe it's something positive and healthy, like coming to you and saying, can I please have a hug? They don't feel connected to you at the moment, but they are going to come to you and say, I need a hug. I want to connect. I want to feel safe. I know you're my parent. You make me feel safe. But they are also, if they don't do it in a positive, healthy way, like coming to get a hug from you, they're also very capable and often do try to feel better in an unhealthy way by doing something, you know, misbehaving or doing something that is not destructive, but it's just kind of mischievous in in their house, um, in their environment. And again, it's actually a way they're trying to get your attention. Even if it's negative attention, it's your attention is on them. And that's a way that they are trying to get you to connect again with them because that is how they feel safe. And so that connection, there is nothing like it. Control is not the substitute for it. Instant obedience is not the same as a connection. I cannot stress it enough. Okay, connection is the the best way for your kids to feel safe. The next thing is accept and expect to get your child's overflow, the worst of your child, their unloading of emotions and energy and all the stuff that they have saved up all day, holding it together in school. If you have a child who is doing well in school, the teacher's like, they are great. They are a good friend at lunch. They are helpful here. Your child is working really hard throughout to keep the systems of their body, their emotions, their nervous system, their regulatory sensory system, to keep it all a-okay at that thermostat point. It's exhausting to them, mentally exhausting, physically exhausting, emotionally exhausting. So when they come home, they let down, they release, they need you to be aware that this is coming. And it used to happen for me in carpool in my car. 
And so I would be sitting in carpool and my youngest would get out earlier when she was in pre-K and she would get in my car and I would say, you know, how are you? Did you have fun today? And she would say, yes, she would take off her shoes, sometimes take off her jumper. She had shorts and a shirt on underneath and she would like flip all over my car. I had a suburban at the time. So she would need to release all this physical energy that she had saved up while she was sitting quietly or standing and walking slowly in line, whatever they requested. And so I just used to let her do whatever she was going to do. And there was nothing wrong with that. It wasn't, she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was in a healthy way, trying to get rid of that overload, that overflow, trying to unload it, unwind and let loose of some of the buildup from the day. So that was my youngest one, Rachel. So we would sit in carpool for 30 minutes before her older sister, Catherine, would get out of school. Now, Catherine was in middle school, so she would get in my car and she had her own version of releasing all of her overflow. And it usually looked like snipping, saying something kind of snotty and snippy at her little sister. Like, oh, you're wearing my bow in your hair today? Or she might snip at me like, well, are we going straight home? And if I would say, no, we're going to do an errand or whatever. And I knew it. I knew what it was. So I didn't take offense. And with Rachel, I said, you know what, Rachel, like I had kind of explained to her, like when you get in the car, you flip all over, you jump from seat to seat, you kind of sing a song and unload. Well, this is Catherine's version of that unloading. So Rachel understood, okay, when Catherine gets in the car, man, she needs to unload some stuff too. And if she's snippy about the bow in in my hair, it's okay. So again, where we know that that's coming and that is how we provide a really safe space for our kids. And I have to tell you that I work with parents or I get a referral for a child in a school who is having lots of aggression, lots of outbursts, lots of just uncontrollable, violent, aggressive behavior in school. And when I talk to the family and get kind of plugged in, it's often a place where This child has no ability to let down. Their home and their interaction with their parents is not a safe space for them. And I I have no idea, going back to the, the shooting in Uvalde, I have no idea what that 18 year old boy experienced in his home. I wonder, did he have a safe place? What would make him do that? And what, you know, built up in him? I don't know. I just have so much compassion for the desperation of that child. And um, I don't know, but I just want you parents to know that your home, your presence, your car after school 
Um, if you go get your child and you're, you know, maybe you get them from a park after a sport camp or a really busy, active, large birthday party, you might be getting, you know, catching some of this overflow. And so when you know what it is, you can accept it and expect it and not um, take offense to it and not punish your child for having these things that are natural to us. And so if you think of yourself, if you think of your spouse, if they've had a long day at work, usually they need a little bit of time to unwind. I do. If I've worked and done a lot all day long, I will tell my kids, I'm going to go take a walk around the block to just, again, it's releasing that, all that pent up energy, emotions, all of it. And so it's helping our children have a healthy way to deal with it. But parents, you are always going to be that safe landing space. You are always going to be the one who catches the worst of them. And it's because you are unconditional love. No matter what, a child should know that they can give you their worst and you still love them. Now, when they unload, if it's in a disrespectful way, if it's in a hurtful, harmful way, that is not okay. And so again, we are, as parents, we're guiding, we're helping, we're on the path with our kids growing. And so I can accept that you need to unload some of this, you know, overflow is what I call it, but let's do it in a healthy way. And so as parents, we want to model that for our kids. So when I told my kids, I've had a long, busy day, I'm going to take a walk for 15 minutes. That's a healthy way for me to deal with it. It's a healthy way for me to kind of let go because I don't show up grumpy. I don't lose my temper with my kids that way. I'm able to stay calm and be present for them. And so parents, this is what I help you do all the time. I help you get a strategy. I help you get a plan. What do I do when I need to release some of this overflow? I don't want to lose it with my kids. No, I don't want you to either. And I can help you do it in healthy ways that you model to your kids. So your kids know that this is okay. And I can deal with it in a healthy way. Okay. Last thing, dialogue about emotions, about anger, about all of this and communication and being expansive with your kids, helping them understand. Again, we are talking to them, telling them, thinking out loud to them. So they are absorbing what, how to deal with all of these things where they could feel unsafe or unsettled or wronged. If they come home and they, you know, home from school, home from a game, they lost, they didn't think it was fair, they are mad, they want to slam their backpack down, they want to kick the dog. No, we're not going to kick the dog, but it's fair to have that emotion of anger. 
And it's acknowledging it and saying, you know what? Mom gets mad too. And my kids all know I get mad when I am working through my computer and all the technical stuff and all these different platforms I'm trying to learn about. And my kids will hear me say, I really want to put my fist right through the screen of my laptop. I'm so frustrated, but I won't. And again, this, I'm talking out loud. I'm having this dialogue. I'm giving this thinking out loud so kids can learn how to think about the emotions and the way they are feeling inside of their body and what should they do about it. So I'll say, I really want to put my fist right through that computer screen, but you know what? That's not good because I actually need that computer. So I'm going to go out and take another 15 minute walk around the block, or I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to go work in the yard and work in my flower bed, something. But we're showing them, we're modeling a healthy way to deal with that emotion. And I see parents do an incredible job talking about positive emotions, the joy, the happiness, the fun. But parents are often not verbalizing the um, the difficult emotions, the negative ones, and they occur, they happen. In, in fact, over the weekend, um, I saw um, a child who was watching and sensing anger in his parent. And so very healthy, this child said, why are you angry, dad? And the dad said, I'm not angry. Now, again, we are modeling and kids are very astute. They are watching everything we do. And so they sense when a, when a parent is upset, they feel the energy off of us. And so we do our kids a disservice when we tell them we are not upset but our body language, everything about us looks upset. That is confusing to a young child. We do our kids a disservice when we don't own our anger and own our emotion. Like, yes, I am upset. This made me so mad. This seems unfair. Again, I'm voicing all of this because when we normalize it, and when a child, a ch children are experiencing all of these things, frustration on a daily basis as they are trying to zip their jacket and tie their shoe and ride their bike and they could get the pedal started by themselves without their training wheels on their two-wheel bike, yesterday, no problem. But today, for some reason, it didn't work. So kids, young kids are having all these feelings of frustration and confusion and misunderstanding. They're trying to figure out social cues. Okay, mom said, said I'm supposed to do that, but I, I, you know, there's just so many different emotions that kids are having. And when we can talk about them and normalize them, and again, these emotions are not bad or good. They just are. And so when we can say, oh, you know what, that anger totally normal to feel anger. Now, how we act from that feeling of anger 
that is what can be good or bad. And I'm all about helping parents have tools to know and to teach your kids, this is what you can do when you're angry. This is how you can get rid of some of that frustration. You can go in the yard and you can throw your baseball 15 times and see if you feel better. So constantly giving ideas of how kids can deal with these emotions that they're having. But if you parents would just acknowledge them to your kids, wow, that makes your kids feel better. Because when we don't acknowledge any of these emotions that are anger or frustration, then your kids are feeling all these emotions, but nobody's talking about it. So they're thinking, what's wrong with me? I feel this way. What is, something must be wrong with me. Mom, mom's never mad. Mom's never frustrated. Something is wrong with me. No, nothing is wrong with your child when they are having these emotions that are very human. It's just helping them navigate the action from them in a healthy way. And I wanted to um, tell you all, I think I brought this up before, Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, has so many great explanations of lots of different emotions. And there are, um, she has pictures in regard to the anger and so this is a great one. It has lots of different faces. It could be anger that your child is feeling, but it might not. It might be frustration. It might be embarrassment. It might be um, disappointment. And so I keep this book on my coffee table. So I'm all about, again, just, you know, confusion. Is it embarrassment? Is it helplessness? Helplessness is a huge one for young kids. And let's give them the language to understand what helpless feels like. It's not really anger. Yes, you're, you're feeling something in your body, but it's just because you want to do it yourself and you can't yet and you need help. And that feels bad inside your body. So do you see how this language of, emotions helps us let go of it. And in this book and what Brene talks about anger, she says anger is an action emotion and it should not be held on to that. It can cause, you know, chemical and biological changes in our body. It causes sickness when we hold on to that anger, when we suppress it and say, we're fine, we're fine. And so I often see kids who don't feel safe in their home to say, I'm upset, I'm mad, this felt wrong to me, this was frustrating to me. So they don't voice it because if, if they have, the response from the parents is like, now we, we don't feel any of those negative emotions, we're happy, it's great, we're fine, it's all good. And so, when a child learns and they so quickly pick up, even if we don't say it, a child understands. I'm not in a safe place in my own home to express these feelings of frustration or helplessness or embarrassment. I need to just stay quiet about it. So all of that 
those feelings are building up inside the body. It's not healthy for the body. And then it can come out in rage, in anger, in explosions, in ways that we do not want it to. So I encourage you parents, learn to have, again, just um, a conversation, a calm, connected conversation about emotions. And I am super intentional about voicing my emotions with my kids, the ways that I mess up, the ways that I'm imperfect, the frustrations, the anger, all the angst, all the ickiness that is me, it is out there for my kids to see because I want them to know that that's a human. That's our humanness. Now, we are invoking the Holy Spirit, asking for grace, asking for the Lord to help us in how we respond, how we deal with all of these emotions. But I wanted my kids to know, A, number one, connected to them no matter what. No matter how they show up to me, meltdown, outburst, whatever, I've got you. You're safe. After the meltdown, the whatever has ended, then we can be in a, in a place to say, okay, how can we do that differently? So for my daughter, Rachel, who used to get in my car after school, she could have been screaming, crying, you know, um, trying to hit me, trying to bang the window out of the car. That would have been very unhealthy ways to deal with kind of all of the emotion, physical exertion, energy, frustration, all the stuff. But she didn't deal with it that way because I helped guide her into dealing with like, okay, you can jump all over my car. You can sing Taylor Swift's songs really loud over and over and over again, day after day. And when I would get sick of the Taylor Swift singing, and remember, I'm hearing sensitive. So there were times I would just be like, but I would remind myself, she needs a place to let go of this. And so I can expect it and I can accept it. And usually within like two or three minutes, maybe five minutes on a really kind of frazzling day for her, Taylor Swift song's over. She's flipped all over my car. And then she's going to sit and read a book until her older sister gets in the car. And then we're going to deal with Catherine's overflow, the snippy comments or the, and, and then her overflow is released. It's not held in. It's not um, building up and it's not um, making her body unhealthy. We've got to give our kids avenues to release it. Okay. Those are the three things. Connection, acceptance, and expecting the overflow and the behavior to come from your kids, you are the place they're going to do it. And again, I would sometimes when I had behavior that was coming to me from my kids, I was like, I don't know. Are they doing this other places? And I would check. I would email teachers, email a coach. What's up with Will? Is he okay? How is he doing? And again, you know, 
I knew like, okay, he's going through puberty. He's got these hormone changes. He's got new um, pressures on him school-wise. He, again, I knew all the different things that is being placed on a child. And I think sometimes parents, we have, we kind of think, oh, well, these are just kids. This is just piddly stuff. I'm dealing with the big adult, the real things. No, to your kids, this is the big stuff. It's all big stuff to them. And so I want to treat their stuff like they are treating it. So if my middle schooler comes to me with a friendship problem, that is huge in middle school. Middle school is the worst. Middle school girls, I don't think there's a meaner person on the planet ever than these middle school girls. So I'm going to catch, you know, the the angst from my kids from dealing with that. So just be sensitive. Be connected to them enough to know, okay, this is this is what's going on with you. This is a big week with your middle school friend and she didn't sit by you at lunch and now all of a sudden you're excluded. Okay, if I know that's what's going on this week in middle school for my daughter, I can be sure that I'm gonna get some overflow because she's trying to figure out how to deal with that. And so be that place, be that safe place that your child can land, that your child can release, that your child can give you all the stuff that they can't give to anybody else because it sets them back on that A-OK place. Once they release it, they're usually good. I remember in middle school, my um, middle one, she would cry and she didn't know why. It was a release. It was her hormones were changing. She was, you know, prepubescent. All these things were going on. And, and she'd say, I don't know why I'm crying. I was like, I don't care. You don't have to know. You're totally fine to cry. Do you need a Kleenex? Maybe I'll cry too. Sometimes I feel better after a cry. So again, we're just creating this acceptance, this safe environment where your kids know when I get home, I don't have to be this perfect version, this um, person that doesn't exist that I'm imperfect, I have feelings, I need to get rid of some of this stuff. So be that safe landing place. And and we just discussed the three ways to do it, connection, acceptance, and expecting it, and then a dialogue about all of the emotions. Okay, go sign up for my membership. I promise you there is nothing that will help you as much than all the different resources and activities and fun things I have planned for us in this membership. Go sign up. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K. S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoop.com. Again, that's kellykshoop.com. Thanks so much 